You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Well, welcome to a week of new lessons concerning the storehouse blessing. Uh, This is episode 11. Our text today will be 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Paul writes and says, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And the NIV says, See that you abound in this grace of giving. It is a grace. And believers have to be taught the grace of giving. It's not something that we naturally have as a human behavior. When uh, God made Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden, He gave them everything, gave them dominion over the whole world. Everything in it was theirs. There was one thing that they were restricted from, and that was the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were not to eat it. In essence, it was God testing them with keeping their hands off of what was his. He asked them to respect that tree. They couldn't do it. They didn't do it. Satan came and tempted them, and they crossed the border. And they had to take something that was not theirs when they had everything. And that's very typical of human behavior. We somehow have to take things that are not ours, and we take things that even belong to God. And there's a lot of people who live with this attitude that I don't owe God anything, that everything is mine. That's why it's so important that you understand that you are a caretaker. You're a steward. You don't own anything. The Bible says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You and I are using this by His grace. And so none of it belongs to us. It is His, and we will give account as to how we utilized it and whether or not we honored Him with it. And so God gave Adam and Eve really an honor test. And this honor test was both spiritual and material. And don't think for one minute that money is not both material and spiritual. Jesus said as much when he said, for where your treasure is, that's material, there your heart will be also, that's spiritual. So these are two related things, money and spirituality. The two of them connect. If you want to be a truly spiritual person, you have to gain dominance over your money by honoring God with it, by putting Him first with your money. Now, Christ taught that money was both spiritual and material. I gave you the text, Matthew 6, 21. And so the believer who professes to love God but cannot give freely, he loves God with reservations. Uh, There was a rich man who asked to be relieved of his pledge in our church many years ago. I was actually shocked that he made the pledge that he did because he'd never given anything. The guy had millions, and he told me. He said, I made a whole lot of money just doing what you teach us to do uh, with your teaching in Proverbs. And he told me that he'd made quite a sum of money uh, following things that I had taught from the pulpit. 
so when we had a crisis of sorts and, and we asked people to pledge toward helping us to get out of it, uh, he made a pledge. And a couple of weeks later, something happened and uh, uh, his job changed. And he had the assurance of another job, but he told me, I've got to get out of this pledge. Let me out of it. He said, uh, I, I've, I don't have a job, as if he'd lost all of his money. He had not lost all of his money, but, but he, I, I wondered about what he would be able to do. And I saw very clearly he was not going to be able to fulfill it because he was never intending to fulfill it. As time passed, he could not uh, accept the idea that he was going to give some money. I'm talking about uh, not even 10 bucks. This guy had a very difficult time, and he was worth millions of dollars. That's how money gets a grip on people. It gets a horrible grip on him. And, and can I say this? No amount of cash reserve is ever enough for people like that. They could have $15, $20, 30000000 million. It's still not enough. And so Christ will test these kinds of people, and he will bring them to a crossroads. And he does it not because he hates them, but because he loves them. And I want to show you this in the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter. And uh, it's just a fascinating story. And you're going to see how Jesus had great love for this young man who was rich. A lot of people hate rich people. Jesus didn't. He loved him. And because he wants to utilize them and wants to let them be blessed. Now, as he was going out on the road, Mark 10, 17, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Now I want to stop here for a minute. Jesus is in essence saying to this young man, By you calling me good, you know that you're talking to the Son of God. You're talking to deity. I'm not just a teacher now talking to you. I am talking to you as God. The young man has acknowledged that. So Jesus said to him, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. And honor your father and mother. These are the six commandments that have to do with our fellow man. Jesus didn't say anything about the commandments that have to do with honoring God or loving God first. And that man said, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Meaning, had you been there you would have seen a look in Jesus' eye that he was not disgusted with this man at all. He loved him. And he said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. Uh, Jesus really cared about this young man, and so what he told him was something that would have saved his life, saved his future, and brought him into a better place. Now, now, listen to me carefully. So many people wrestle with the idea that what God wants for us is somehow hard and difficult, and it's not the best. God wants better things for you 
than you have in mind for yourself. God's plan for you is a better plan than your own plan for yourself. And that's what Jesus is calling this young man to. The only way that the stranglehold of riches could be broken in this man's life is for him to sell it all, get rid of it, and be a giver. Uh, He couldn't do that. Now, Jesus met a number of people who were wealthy. Joseph of Arimathea was wealthy. Jesus did not tell him to do this. Nicodemus was wealthy. Jesus, again, did not tell him to do this because these men were also generous. And so they had already learned how to use their possessions, as we'll see later in this study, to be generous and liberal. So he was sad at this word. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And I think you could actually switch this around and say, great possessions had him. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Now some people think if you're rich, it's just impossible for you to enter the kingdom. That isn't what Jesus said. He said it's difficult. You have to make a decision as to who is going to be your Lord the Lord, or your money. And the disciples were astonished at his words because uh, this idea of God being a God of poverty, that was not something that was thought in in, uh, Judaism. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches? And that was the issue. The young man didn't just have riches, but yet he trusted in riches. How hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Then he went with this illustration. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Because again, they had a heritage of prosperity as Jewish people. Not all Jews were prosperous, of course, But God blessed Abraham, who was rich, cattle, silver, and gold. There were a number of people. David, Solomon, they had silver, uh, I'm sorry, gold in so much quantity that silver was accounted as nothing. So the thing that I want you to see is this idea of extreme poverty being on God's people was not something that the apostles were familiar with. Then Jesus went on to say, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. In other words... When you put God first, you can make it like this. Even a rich man can enter the kingdom of heaven. So Peter got the point, and he said, We have left all and followed you. We forsook things and followed you. And Jesus said, basically, I agree. But he said, but you didn't get cheated. And here's how he answered it. He answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now, I want to talk to you about the meaning of this and what Jesus was saying here. And this teaching, by the way, has been abused greatly. And and I know that uh, those who have taught some of these things I'm about to identify, 
meant very well in it because they were fighting against a poverty spirit. That doesn't mean everything they said was right. There's no promise here that you are going to get a hundred times as much cash as what you give uh, that you gave. There's, you're going to get a hundredfold in cash. Jesus didn't say that. He said you would get back your return as you forsake. If you're called to a place where you have to sake, forsake something, as Peter was talking about, said now in this time you receive houses, brothers, sisters. H- how do you get a hundred mothers? How do you get a hundred fathers? Well, I can tell you how it happens. Because when I was 17, my own earthly father told me I couldn't go to church anymore, and I left home in order to be able to go to church. I moved in with my mother. They were separated. I moved in with her. She had nothing. I gave up my car. And I did this in order to have the freedom to go to church. I knew that if I stayed with my dad, there would be an ongoing fight about me going to church, and I wasn't going to have an ongoing battle with him about whether or not I would attend church. So I gave up my car and gave up my dad's home, which was a place where I had money because dad was certainly more well-off than my mother. And I gave this up, but what happened was the church was amazing to me. I started having people praying for me that I'd never had pray for me before. Every time I'd go to the altars, old women would come and old men. In fact, my grandma's church was full of older people. Those people loved on me. They blessed me. Sometimes they would tuck $10 bills in my hand. It was amazing to me. About a month after I gave up my car, I got a car given to me by another man that was four years newer than the car that I had given up in order to follow Christ. It was incredible how God provided for me. And then as I entered ministry many, many times, and I could give you a list of the older men who became my fathers. They weren't fathers for long, but they were there for seasons. And it was amazing to me how God put these people in my path. They were there to help me. One helped me greatly with business. Another one helped me understand spiritual things. Another helped me to understand family. Another helped me to understand business. I mean, it was incredible to me how many relationships God gave me because I had to give up a relationship. And I experienced these kinds of blessings. And in the age to come, eternal life. So what I want you to see is that you cannot outgive God. Had this rich young man been generous, he would have been blown away at how much better his life would have been. And can I say to you, he was of the age to have been alive at the time Jerusalem was sacked, Israel was conquered. It's very possible that this young man was killed in the great persecution against the Jews that came after the ministry of Jesus, and he would have lost it all anyway. So the point that I'm making is you cannot outgive God when you give into an interdimensional storehouse. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below? And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to 
MyFaithRoots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.